0: Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have in your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can grow in the grace and knowledge of your word. Our faith, Lord, can grow through hearing of the word. And so we offer this time up to you and just pray that you would speak to us. Pray that you would speak through us as we have an opportunity to interact and just learn even from one another. So bless our time. Go before us, Lord, as we lift this time up to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said... Amen. So we're going through the book of Hebrews chapter 11. It's the faith chapter or the hall of faith. Gives us an understanding of what faith is. We've seen faith of the patriarchs. Uh, We find ourselves in verse, let's see. We did 7 through 19 last week. So we're going to start at verse 20 today. So we've just finished Abraham and his faith. We got to see Sarah We'd already seen um, uh, the faith of Abel and Enoch and just all these wonderful guys. So we get to see picking up today, starting with um, Isaac. Um, So let's go and read it. We're going to, I'm going to read the verses that we're going to look at. We'll have our special guest speaker share for five minutes. We're going to start at verse 20, Hebrews chapter 11. Mark, can you hear me? Got it? Can you open the door? Cause I don't like looking through a. What you say? He's 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 making me dizzy over there, John. Mark can hear me, and John can't. I'm a visual learner, Mark. If I don't see you, I won't learn anything. Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 20. By faith, starting at verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasure of si- pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. So those are the verses we're going to look at tonight, but before I share... We're going to have our sisters share. Now, what I've asked people to do then, now God put people on my heart. And so Frankie gets to share. And it's anything on faith, what God has shown you, what lessons you've
1: learned,
0: where you're at with faith, and what God has done as it relates to that.
1: Okay, do I have to hold this thing up here like this? At least so that it can be heard. Okay, all right. First off, I'm going to start with the disclaimer. There's nothing special about me. God doesn't love me any more than anybody else, okay? And I'm in a big trial right now. Trials are like, like when you're surfing. Waves come in sets. They come in sets. And then you have a period when it's calm, okay? But this is a trial that I went through. In June 7th, 2003, I was diagnosed with MS. It was uh, Jerusalem Day. That's how I remember. Um, at first, I limped. Then I walked with a cane. And then uh, July... 30th, 2007, right after vacation Bible school, I walked out to my husband and I said, "What do you want for dinner?" And I collapsed in the flower bed and I didn't walk again. They came and tried the steroids and they said, "You'll never walk again. I got spasticity. that is is when your muscles all curl up and your legs curl up. and I proceeded to get much worse. My family had nothing to do with me because the Bible was being read. Praise music was in the house, and they didn't want any part of Jesus. If I renounced Jesus, that was a different thing. Um, So my sisters in Christ took care of me so I wouldn't have to go in the nursing home. My husband would work full-time, and then he'd come home at night because I got so bad I couldn't breathe. The spasticity was cutting off the breathing. He'd have to cut up my food for me. I could not clean myself after going to the bathroom. I had to use a bedpan. I was bedridden. I could not dress myself, so that's one of the reasons I'm a head trip on dressing. Uh, to be dressed, I'd wear pajamas all day, or uh, the sisters, if I had a doctor's appointment, would put me in sweats. Um, but I drew close to Jesus, and when I couldn't breathe at night... I would listen to Pastor Chuck on the MP3 through the Bible. I used to joke I was going to be a pastor. And, I would, <laughs> and I'd go through the Bible. That would calm me or the hymns in Spanish or um, Hebrew music or whatever. And But I went through the Bible with Pastor Chuck. And um, it just it got worse, and it got worse. And uh, in December of 2008, the doctors told me to get my affairs in order because I was going to pass away. And... Um, He didn't believe it because the Lord had given him a verse, but I I thought it was true. And then they decided to put a pump inside of me for the spasticity because I couldn't breathe. He'd have to come home from work, wash down all the walls, wash down the floor, change the sheets, change my pajamas so that I could try to help me breathe so I could sleep at night. And I, I just would listen to Pastor Chuck so that I could keep calm so he could get enough sleep. And it just kept getting progressively worse. You know, everything was all squeezed up like this, and my tailbone was starting to come out to the side. And I was much thinner than what you see now, probably 85, 70 pounds. I don't know. And um, then in October, right after Halloween Alternative of uh, 2009, I had a dream, and I was walking in this dream. I don't walk anymore. And Jesus was in this red flowing gown. I mean, that robe, you know? And he looked over me and had this great, bright smile. And he was just so joyful. And we were walking together. And I woke up and I told him, you know what? I need a walker. And he thought I was crazy. I insisted I have to have a walker. I have to have this walker because I know what Jesus wants. So he says, well, you can't even pull yourself up at the sink. But, you know, I can be very stubborn, okay? And so he got me the walker. And I walked with a walker for the first time in November of 2009, which was a miracle because it was like the legs just melted, but they were all atrophied, you know, muscles that are atrophied and gone. And um, But it was like the legs just melted and the arms just started melting, you know, the release. And I'm trying to speed up. And then at Good Friday service at Pastor Chuck's in 2000 I just thought, you know what, I don't need this. And I pushed the walker ahead of me and I walked, (laughs) praising God like the man praising God. Oh, and the verse that he gave me when I first was sick was from when Jesus was Lazarus in, I think it's in John 10. The sickness is not unto death, but the name of the Lord can be glorified. And that's what I do. My mission field is with the doctors, the nurses, the technicians. When I paddleboard, I go up to people on the beach and say, do you know I was in a wheelchair for two and a half years? And of course, some may think I'm crazy and I don't care. They need to know that God is the God of miracles. He is the God who heals us. He is the God who loves us. He is the God of the impossibility. So that is the that is my one testimony. I have many because He is a good God who loves us. He loves us. He saves us and He heals us. And I'm still going through a trial. Amen. 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 Praise God. You should have seen the neurologist's face when I came in walking. (laughs) From the time span from 2004? 2007?
0: 2009?
1: Year and a half? You started walking?
0: 2009? Year and a half. You just made my day, baby. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: So we've been looking at the Hall of Faith, we've been looking at the testimony of faith. We know that faith pleases God because it says it in verse 6, but without faith it is impossible, not hard, not difficult, not a struggle, but impossible to please God for those who come to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And so we know that according to Romans chapter 10, I believe it's verse 10, faith comes by hearing and that by the word of God. So as we sit under the word of God, as we hear the word of God taught and preached, Our faith grows because we're hearing truth and it comes against lies. It comes against darkness. Light exposes darkness. And so as we get to hear faith and we get to hear the word where our faith is developing, it's growing, but we have to put it to practice. We can't just gain knowledge and have knowledge puff us up, right? The Bible says knowledge, but puffs up, but love edifies. And so hopefully as we are sitting under the word, We're not just gaining in knowledge, but hopefully we're applying the very things that we're learning. And so we move on. We just learned about Abraham. Now we're moving on to verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Interesting little verse, tiny little verse on Isaac. Um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob would be the patriarchs, right? The faith would come through the son of promise. Abraham had two sons. One was not even acknowledged. What's his name? Ishmael. Ishmael. Oh, that's what I'm sorry. Ishmael. Abraham had two sons. Uh, So, Ishmael. And Ishmael is a son of really the flesh. Remember uh, when they were in Egypt, um, Hagar was picked up by, I guess, Sarah as a handmaiden to help her out. And they're waiting for the promise, waiting for the promise, waiting for the promise. It never comes. Sarah's bright idea. Abraham, why don't you take my handmaiden and go into her and we'll just treat whatever child she has as ours and that'll be the son of promise. And what what that picture shows us and tells us is we can't help God out. We mess things up when we try to help God out. So don't do that. We walk by faith, trusting him, obeying him, letting him go before us, as I shared Sunday in church, and then we follow his lead. We don't run ahead of him and tell him, come on, God, catch up. Because we have great ideas. No, we don't do that. And we don't want them either to drag us, right? To kind of like, come on, stubborn kid, let's get with it. No, we want to just flow with God. We want to be in step, in touch and in tune with the flow of the Spirit as Jesus leads us. So the second son of Abraham or the son of promise would be Isaac. And Isaac is the one that we just read about, the one where in Genesis chapter 22... Abraham was going to sacrifice him. And many critics of the Bible have a problem with that, right? Struggle with that. But did God know what was going to happen? I think God knew what was going to happen, right? He knew that he was not going to kill his son, but he was testing his faith. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. When it hits the fan, when life gets difficult, there's the test of your faith. What are you trusting in? What are you hoping in? Are you trusting in God? Are you looking to things eternal? Are you living for the temporal comforts of this world? Very easy to do in Southern California, where we live. But we need to be careful. And God is preparing us for eternity, getting us ready for heaven. Let's be very, very careful that we tread lightly on this earth. We want to dig our roots deep. And we want to like, let's do it, Jesus, here, now, like the disciples, right? They thought Jesus was going to set up the kingdom here and now. No, Jesus, you're not going to the cross, not on my watch, Peter said, right? Get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. So we need to be very careful. So then we have this son of promise, Isaac, as it says right here. Let me go back to 20. And he blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Now, who was first born, Esau or Jacob? Esau, Esau came out first, right? Who would be the firstborn of promise? Would it be Esau or Jacob? Jacob. Jacob. What does Jacob mean? Anybody know? catcher or usurper, supplanter, right? Yeah. yeah, just neat little story in Genesis. Brian got to teach through Genesis as we were here at the home Bible study, and we just learned a lot of neat things about um, just all of them. By the way, if you go through Hebrews chapter 11, just a little footnote, it's in chronological order based on the Bible, except for one, two people. Samuel and um, David are inverted. They start, it starts with uh, David, and then it mentions Samuel, and it just mentions them. We'll see that next week. All right. So. As he blessed, you'll remember that he wanted Esau to make him something to eat because he loved how he cooked. Esau was the hunter's man. He was a man's man. And Jacob was a little more, you know, uh, I don't know, a mama's boy. There's a good there's a good word. Okay, mom overhears that dad wants to bless Jacob and whispers in the ear and says, hey, you better go get the, you know, make him. I'm going to make a, a meal that he loves, and you, you know, uh, let's throw some hair on, because, uh, you know, your brother Harry, your brother's Harry, Esau means Harry, right? So your brother's red and hairy, and we're going to throw some animal fur on you, and so he comes and basically he robs the blessing, even though Esau had given it up for what? Some porridge, a meal? So it's just crazy, crazy, crazy story, but awesome, that was faith, Why was it faith? Because he finally recognized that God wanted it this way. Even though there's manipulation, even though man has his fingerprints all over it, God's sovereignty is seen in the story of Jacob and Esau. And if you don't know it, I challenge you, get into the book of Genesis. If you are a regular reader of the Bible, you should be reading regularly, at least yearly, Genesis, one of the four gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, John—the Psalms and the Proverbs. You should always be reading those books. Genesis, one of the uh, one of the gospels, the book of Psalms for comfort. Anybody need comfort in this yeah. crazy world? Yeah. And Proverbs for what? Wisdom. Anybody need wisdom in this crazy world? Yes. So those are the four. I mean, the whole Bible obviously is inspired—sixty-six books. But we should be in those regularly. The Gospels, because it shows Jesus and his ministry and just how he does stuff. And you're like, "Dang, Jesus is the man!" You know. Every time I read it, that's how I get. Okay. So we see Jacob and Esau, verse twenty-one. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Anybody have an idea why? Jacob had to lean on the top of his staff. Why would he have to lean? It was a crutch. Why did he have to lean on the top of his staff?
1: Because
0: the angel touched his hip and threw it out of joint, right? He wrestled with God. God changed his name from Jacob, which is usurper or heel catcher, right? To Israel governed by God. And so that's all of us. We all wrestle with God. We, We battle. We fight. And then God, we, we, we should tell what, what he told God, right? I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going I'm kick, to kick, kick your joint out of socket, okay? And so he laid hands on all of the sons. And I was reading it, and it's just awesome. If you read the blessings and you just see prophetically what's flowing out of his mouth, as it's going to be given down to what we're living right now, experiencing right now, as he's laying hands on each one of these 13 kids, right, because... Joseph had two, and then he blessed those as well, right? So his two grandkids in addition to his sons. But just an awesome, awesome little section of scripture. Um, 23, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Now, if you know anything about the life of Joseph, if you know anything about the book of Genesis, you know that the second half of the book of Genesis is given to the life of Joseph. And Joseph is crazy faith stuff happening, right? Just thing after thing after thing. Did you see what the Holy Spirit chose to put about Joseph's life? Almost, like we wouldn't even pay attention to this. Hey, by the way, when I die, bury me in uh, the promised land. Yes. But that's what the Holy Spirit chose to put. And if there's one thing that stood out as I've been studying this section of scripture, these guys were living for eternity. These guys were living for a promise. They were living, Mikey, mucho tequerisi right there, bro. People were living for something that they knew was yet future, but their entire lives were given over to this Messiah, to this promised one, to this one that was coming. And in my opinion, as I study the scriptures, they ain't got nothing on what we got in the New Testament because we see who Jesus is. We get to study who Jesus is. We get to see what Jesus did. And are we living for that? Like these people who lived by faith, lived, they were living like faith like this. Well, I know God promised it. He said it. So therefore we're like, we're like this and we're like, well, and I'm a, yeah, I, don't know. I don't know if I really want to, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm kind of busy, you know, with my life. I got important stuff to do. I go to work. What? No, these people like they hook, line and sinker. And so we need to be very, very careful how we live. If this chapter is doing anything, it should be encouraging us to live by faith, to trust God and endure. That's what faith comes down to. I want to trust God when it's hard, when it's difficult, but I need to endure. I need to stick with this. Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the one sent by God. Lord, we got nowhere else to go. That's what the disciples said to Jesus, right? in John chapter six. So for Joseph, they put that he wanted his bones um, basically buried in the promised land. Four hundred years. He'd be in some. Think about Joseph. He was second in Egypt. He was the most powerful man into the world. Second, second in command, right? In the world. Not just Egypt because Egypt was running the world. He could have had... Everybody ever see the, the, the tombs of King Tut? It's the gold and the jewels and how they put him in this just monument of a shrine? He could have had that and more, right? He said, this is, that's not what I'm living for. I'm not living for the temporal. I'm not living for the... For the, the oh, that, I'm living for the promise. I'm living for the Messiah. I want to be in the promised land. And his coffin, if you will, outside of the ground waiting till they got into the promised land, spoke for four. Dead, he spoke louder than many sermons speak. Dead, he spoke louder than many sermons can speak. Because he, whoa, what's that? Oh, that's Joseph. We're taking him to the promised land. Joseph? From Egypt? The one that saved the world? Yeah, that's Joseph. He wants to be married in the promised land. That's where he wants to be buried. And there's an interesting little slant on that if you know anything about Rachel and Leah. But he wanted to be buried with Leah as well. What's faith of the two parts faith equal one? I said trust Trust and and endurance. endurance. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now we move on to man Moses. Verse 23. By faith, Moses, this is his parents, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. No, I'm sure every just about every parent can say that their children are beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of children when they come out of the shoot, but man, they're not. They're not really. Whew, that's a face only a mother can love, right? But you do. I mean, all four of my daughters. I just thought they were the most gorgeous thing. I was a little scared with the first one. She came out conehead. I didn't know when you come out the shoot. It you know and oh I was like oh Jesus you gave me a head daughter but she beautiful Jesus she's pretty and then you take pictures and you have all this stuff and then you look back at him and you're like oh my God it looks like a raisinette huh a little a little shriveled up right but it's true just throwing it out there okay. so I'm sure they said he was a beautiful to- and and Moses was supposed to be a very good looking lad. I well <laughs> and they were not afraid of the king's command. What was the king's command? Every child had to be killed, right? But they send them down the river in a little ark and uh Pharaoh's daughter finds well so, yeah, Pharaoh's daughter they find his mom to raise. Just a beautiful story, but if you look at that they're like, well they could be killed, but they're trusting God. Like it's one thing like well, you might go to jail or you might have to pay a fine, but your, your life? Look at the level of faith that these peoples held, held on to. They would be, capital punishment, offense, if they didn't kill all the babies under two, right? Mm-hmm. So his parents started with faith. Then verse 24, by faith Moses, when he became of age, refused pe- to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasure in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. That's that right there. That's crying stuff. That just makes me cry. We, we put so much value on the temporal. Like we put... Like gold and 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 what's in my account and how comfortable I am in this world and he, this guy nobody would have like nobody would have said bad thing or bad Moses if he would have stayed in the in the castle he's a king of the earth he's a kid of the earthly king if you will in the castle raising him with Ramses like his brother right by the pharaoh I mean picture. The biggest bling house you know of, you know, the biggest mansion in Beverly Hills or Bel Air or Rancho Palos Verdes or, you know, Rancho Santa Margarita or a beautiful Rancho Santa Fe, South Orange County. Just the most beautiful, palatial, living, everything that the world says, this is what you live for. Moses was like, whoa, 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 I'm I'm a Hebrew and these are my brothers in the pit as slaves. And I need to get down in the pit with them because I see that there's a Messiah coming and that's what we're about. That is like, but Moses, you just stay in the palace, bro. Like you have everything you want. No, 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 no. I'm living for something eternal. I'm living for, I'm living for a treasure in heaven. I'm living for bling up there, a mansion up there. I'm going to walk by faith because God, I know that in my heart, Moses, if you follow his life, deliverer, deliver from the beginning. Mm -hmm. He was hardwired like that. Mm -hmm. He sees somebody abusing his and he's like, nah, and he kills him. The Egyptian, right? Tries to bury him like nobody (laughs) saw that, right? He looked left, he looked right, he didn't look up. But yeah, God exposes him. Then he goes and hides for 40 years. So 40 years, he grows up in the palace, 40 years. He's on the back of a mountain as a shepherd, just doing nothing but in obscurity, and then God calls him to 40 years of ministry. So I think it was like, for Moses, what did they say? He was a he was a somebody, and then he was a nobody, and then he learned how God can turn a nobody into a somebody. Mm-hmm. And so just a powerful, powerful testimony. And notice that little phrase that it said. It said there in verse 25, um, with the people of God then enjoying the passing of, pleasures of sin so where do we get the saying that sin is fun for a season right there in that verse sin is fun for a season right but what happens we reap what we sow so if we sow to the flesh we reap corruption if we sow to the flesh sow to the flesh is this going to end up bad and so in God's love letter in his word he's the author of life he's showed us through his word how we would best maximize this thing called life. And so by faith, we take him at his word and obey it. So be careful with the passing pleasures of sin. Notice in 25, he says, or 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ. Again, how's he esteeming the reproach of Christ? He says, I'll suffer for the Messiah. That's what I'm called to. We're promised people. Not only do we have a promised land that's right across the Jordan River, Canaan, right? But we have a promised land. This promised land is just a type. It's just a small, it's just a small little picture of the ultimate promised land, heaven and eternity. And that's what he was living for. So that's the reproach of Christ. Riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. What's the reward for us? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Eternity with God forever and ever. And so that's something to definitely live for. And we're doing it by faith, right? Can we see it right now? Nope. But faith tells us, wow, this world is going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it? And it is going quick. All you got to do is watch the news. Ten minutes. Done. Turn it off. Turn it off. Hurry up and turn it off after ten minutes because you'll freak out. But yeah, that's enough. That's all you need. Bad news, huh? Yeah. A lot of bad news. Yeah. And so what are we living for? What are we trusting in? What are we looking to? By faith he forsook, verse 27, Egypt. <coughs> Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. What? He saw Jesus. Yep. That was his Messiah. And that's how he was able to endure through the affliction. I think as Frankie was sharing her testimony, and again, she has multiple testimonies, as does every Christian. Just pick a part in my life and tell me what you want to hear, and then I'll tell you about it. And there's a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness in my life. So as she's sharing, you're just hearing this awesome thing of, as, as I read this verse, I just thought about it. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It's It's teaching you what's important in life. It's a perspective adjustment. You have this idea of, oh, these things are all important and this is what I'm living for. And then you go through something devastating like that and you're like, oh, I I can barely breathe. I can barely breathe. My life is, okay, priorities. Things just get lined up. And you see the goodness of God in the midst of pain. You see God extract beautiful things in your life because He's adjusting your priorities for you. Not because you're like you're living in sin. It doesn't have to be that. But God is preparing us for eternity. He's showing us what's important. And so hopefully we're participating with Him in those lessons. I think that's very key. Because we can resist Him. We can resist Him. If, if the non-Christian resists the Holy Spirit over their life, they commit the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If the Christian resists God working in their life, they commit the... Grieving of the Spirit. If they resist the fullness and everything that God wants to give them in the Holy Spirit, they quench the Spirit. So resist, we can resist God or we could participate with God. And at some point, I just see it as a surrender. It, it comes down to a surrender. We just throw our hands up and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. What do you want? You, you got my attention, Lord. You're, you, you got my focus. I'm, I'm looking to you. What do you want? What what, what do I need to do? How how can, just one step, Lord, show me where you want me to go. and, And I love that, participating with God, because everything lines up. If you look at the life of Job, who probably suffered more than any other human being next to Jesus, at least documented that we have in the scriptures, right? If you study the life of Job and you just see that, sickness, losing his children, losing his wealth, losing his ability to even function in life, And then just all of the personal, right? And then having a wife like that, Mrs. Job. But at the end, if you study the life of Job, God never answers his questions. God just reveals himself to him more, and that's enough. So if you go through difficulties, get close to Jesus, it will be enough. You don't need all of your questions answered. You don't need every why. But when you know God on a deeper, greater level, remember the disciples when Jesus said, hey, uh, we're going to go across to the other side. You guys go ahead and get in the boat. Go over there. I'll meet you. If God says something, it's going to happen, right? Get in the boat. Go to the other side. I'm going to meet you. That was God's word. That was enough, right? And then the storm comes. And then Jesus comes walking to them on the storm. And what do they say in the midst of all of it going on? They say, who is this who even calms the storms? Whoa, 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 whoa. Who is this? But they had to go through the storm to see Jesus in that light, to see Jesus in that in the depth of, whoa, we never seen him like this. Well, they never would have known that Jesus could calm the storm unless they got allowed to go through the storm, right? Sometimes we have to go through things to see Jesus different, in a different light. And to me, it just, wow, it's enough. It's enough. In the last verse there, Mikey, we're almost done. No, last two verse. By faith he kept, right, 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Man, that is awesome. Just the Passover and just that, all right, take a lamb, go ahead and kill it and put it on the doorpost lentil of your house and whoever has the blood, the angel of death will pass over. You could think, what? Come on, what? That was kind of hokey. Wait, blood on the doorpost and the lentil. Come on, bro. Can we figure something out better? That's what God said. That's what God said. God said, kill a lamb take the blood put it on the doorpost make sure it's applied and i guarantee you that the angel of death when he comes he's going to pass over your house and nobody will be killed and that's the cross today and people can say what a man two thousand years ago died on the cross and shed his blood that's supposed to have some effect yeah by faith if i receive that into my heart if i accept that as my sacrifice and i say lord i receive that whoa my eyes are open spiritually Holy Spirit dwells inside of my heart. I get to walk and talk with my Savior, my my, my Creator, on the daily. Woo! Yeah, I don't believe you. I don't believe that's how it works. Well, try it. You'll believe it. Oh, come and taste and see that the Lord is good, it says in Isaiah. Yep, by that simple thing, Passover. And then our last verse. By faith they passed through... Is that the right one? Yeah. 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 By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. I love that because, you know, the skeptics say, well, it was only two feet of water. Well, then they drowned in two feet of water. What's a greater miracle? <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen the, the cartoon, The Prince of Egypt, but I love that scene. My daughters, you know, were babies when it came out, so I was able to, I love cartoons. But just that part where the Red Sea parts and they're, they are steady, put their foot in And then the water is a wall. And then you see this big whale come. And just, it looks so awesome. And you're like, duh, I love Hollywood when they do stuff like that, right? But just the wonder of that, when did the Red Sea part? When they put their foot in, when they took their step of faith. And that's important for us. If I see it, I'll believe it. God says, believe it and you'll see it. Very important for us to walk by faith, to trust God, take him at his word. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, just for the examples of faith. And Lord, we thank you that we don't put... It's not blind faith, Lord. We're not jumping into a a chasm. We're not asked to jump over mountains. We're just simply called to walk one step in the light that you provide. And so, Lord, I pray that whatever example of these that we've seen that we can apply to our lives, Lord, that we would... Be strengthened in our inner man to be able to do just that. To trust you more and more, Lord. To endure as we go through life. And Lord, we look forward to eternity. We look forward to spending forever and ever with you. And Lord, thank you so much for the relationship that we can have with you here and now. The abundant life that you promised, Lord. And so just continue to be with us as we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.